Welcome to our messages online. At WCC, we are continuing our season of prayer. And today, Pastor Scott is in the book of Luke, chapter 18. Good morning, brothers and sisters. Good to see you today. Hope to have your Bible with you. I want you to turn with me to page 877 in your Bible that's sitting in front of you, or if you brought your own, good luck finding it. All right, we're going to be in Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. We've been going through this story of a man named Luke. He writes an account and says, I, I want to thoroughly explore Jesus and I want to be able to tell others about him. And so we're going through Luke's account because we are headed toward Easter. We're getting into this great story of Jesus that God, he saw that there was a massive sin problem, and he said they're never going to be able to fix it on their own. So, son, Jesus, I want you to go and, and be born. That's what we celebrated in December. I want you to live this life and show them the way of God, the heart of God, and then I want you to pay for their sins. And Jesus goes all the way to the cross. He was crucified for the forgiveness of our sins, and it killed him. He died. And like all dead people, they buried him. But unlike most people who die, Jesus arose. He's a living, he's alive today. He's living, he's preparing a place for us. He's praying on our behalf today. And he said, I'm coming back to get you, so prepare yourselves. And so today is part of our preparing ourselves for his return. In this season where we're getting ready for Easter, or we're, we also call it Resurrection Sunday, as we get ready for that, we're calling this a season of prayer because Jesus engaged in prayer and Jesus taught about prayer. Jesus knew that this was a gift for us to have a relationship with God, but Jesus also knew that this was his lifeline, that I need my Father as I live this life as fully God yet fully man. He said, I have to have this prayer life with my Father. So we've looked at some of Jesus' teachings. We've looked at some of his habits of prayer. Last week, we looked at Jesus' teaching by way of a parable. A parable is a story to get a certain point across using an illustration. And so last week, we looked at a parable in Luke chapter 18, verse 1. I just want to read verse 1 with you. Would you do that? Go back to verse 1 here with me. Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. If you were here, you remember that we looked at this. The idea is pray and don't lose heart. Pray and don't stop believing. And we had some fun breaking out some 80s music and singing together. Well, unfortunately, no 80s music today for you. But I want to continue with Jesus' next teaching in the form of another parable. And this will speak toward our attitudes toward God and others it's also going to speak to our trust in God, frankly, our lack of trust in God. And so I've entitled this Trust Fall, Trust Fall. Do you know what a trust fall is? Trust fall is this, when somebody gets up on a high point like this, they turn their back to the crowd, they close their eyes, and then they, they just trust, and they fall that someone underneath them would catch them. So I was thinking maybe we should try this today, and uh, maybe I, I could, was there anybody who'd be willing to catch me up here, lock your arms together? Okay, I'm, 
man, like no one wants to help me. I'm not doing it if only one's going to help me. Any, any, uh, no, I don't, I'm not doing this anyway. <laughs> Even if you all raise your hands, I wasn't going to try that. If that goes bad, I'm not sure what we do with the rest of our time together. And uh, so our great research team in the office did some uh, research on some test or trust falls. And I, I just want to give you a picture of this so I don't have to perform one. Let's watch a little video of some of these trust falls. Okay, how's this one going to work out? That guy's pretty big. Two young girls. I'm not sure that they're ready for him. Okay. Yeah, we, we kind of expected that that would happen. That was not a shock. Okay, this guy's going up a little higher, so he's got more on his team, and uh, it looks pretty safe. I think this one should work. Run in a That's why we didn't do it today. All right, so, okay, this guy, he's a little lower. He's got his office team around him. They love him. They trust him. This should work. One... Two, three. No, wait, no, no. <laughs> okay, this one. All right, he's got two strong buddies. Two, I'm a little worried about just two. <laughs> Again, this is why we didn't do this today. Okay. Uh-oh. Hold tight. And they're blindfolded. <laughs> okay, so this is why we didn't do it today. Don't get any ideas for tonight's youth group, all right? No, 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 no. <laughs> oh, that's a trust fall. That's a trust fall. I was thinking about this. We, we trust every day in someone or something. We're, we're continually trusting. We are. This morning, if you turned the water on, you're, you're trusting that this water has been checked by someone in the city and that this water is clean. You, ju- you didn't even think about it. You just trust that somebody's doing their job and you start drinking this, right? You just you expect that to happen. I imagine you got in your car this morning and you're just trusting that it will start up and you're trusting as you're cruising down the road late for second service, you better get there. And you're going, you're just trusting that your brakes are working. All right, I doubt any of you did a brake test this morning. And then while you're going this fast, somebody's going equally as fast coming this way, maybe six feet away from you, and you're just trusting that they know how to drive and that their car's in working. We're trusting every day somebody or something. We're always trusting something. You're trusting that your heart will keep pumping. So we don't even think about this. It's just like I expect to be here by dinner time tonight. I expect my heart to keep pumping. Frankly, when we went to bed last night, you just, you trusted that you'd wake up and you said, okay, I'm going to be at church with my family today. You just, we trust some of these things. We trust in ourselves. We trust in other people. We trust in certain systems. Some of you are starting to panic now thinking, oh man, oh, what about the water? What about my heart? Oh no, that's not my point today. But Jesus taught and Jesus modeled for us that our greatest trust is to be placed in God alone. The Son of God, the Savior of the world. And as we grow in trust of Jesus, our relationship will grow in Him. 
And so the, our, our trust in him grows, the relationship grows. We trust him more, the relationship goes. And so I want to share from you today, let's start in Luke chapter 18, start at verse 9. <clears throat> it says, And Jesus told this parable to some who trusted in themselves. Right away, that doesn't sound very good. Who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Verse 10, here's the story. Two men up, went up to the temple to pray. It almost sounds like a joke. Three men went to the bar, you know. And, <clears throat> but Jesus says, two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee. Let me explain for some of you who don't know. This man has been, uh, he knows the word of God. He's a very religious person. He's a good person. He goes to the 9 o'clock service and the 1030 service, all right? He's better than you. You only went to the 1030, all right? He goes every single week. This guy is good. Outwardly, people say, man, this guy's got it going on. Jesus says, two men went up to the temple to pray. One, that Pharisee, and the other, a tax collector. Now, some of you say, wait, I'm a tax assessor. What is it? The tax collector was the scoundrel. The tax collector was the dirtbag. The tax collector was the person who's working for the Roman government, extorting money from you, and then taking some extra money and putting it in his pocket. So people hated the tax collector. They didn't trust them. So when Jesus tells this story, it's like, well, there's a highly religious person, and then there's a scoundrel, a scumbag. I think I know where this story's going. This guy's the good guy. That guy's the bad guy. All right. Verse 11. He says, The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector scumbag. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. I give on the app. I give through the joy box. I give in all the special offerings. I'm doing it all. You gotta love me, God. Sounds like a great man, but he trusted in his own self-righteousness. Verse 13, but the tax collector standing far off would not even lift his eyes to heaven, but he beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus says, verse 14, I tell you that this man, the tax collector, the one that's publicly not acceptable, that guy, the guy you deride and that you say bad things about, that guy, I tell you that this man went to his house justified rather than the righteous person. This guy over here, Jesus says, this tax collector, he is counted as righteous in the eyes of God. This guy is declared righteous by God. What? Isn't he a thief? Jesus goes on to say, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. But the one who humbles himself will be lifted up and exalted. Trustful, who are you going to trust in? Whose efforts are you trusting in, especially to be right in God's eyes? Trusting in your efforts? This guy's like, God, I'm so good. Yeah, look at me. I'm trusting in my hard work. This guy's saying, I've done nothing, God, to do anything good. I'm just asking you to be merciful on me. I need you to declare me righteous because I know that I'm not. Go to verse 15. 
Now they were bringing even infants to him, that is Jesus, that they might touch him. And when the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. Hey, parents, get your kids away from Jesus. He's for the important people. He's for the, you know, he's come to teach. He doesn't want a bunch of babies drooling all over him. Get him out, verse 16. But Jesus called to them, called them to him, saying, let the children come to me. Don't hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Some of you churchgoers like, I'm pretty good. I mean, this has been a five-Sunday month in March. I've been here all five weeks. I'm better than most, all right? Pastor Scott even missed one Sunday. I got all five exalting yourself a little bit. Somebody over here saying, man, Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour, I need you. Jesus said the kingdom of God is like this, that whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Children, they're not coming. They just, Jesus? He's the guy that heals. He's the good guy. I just, I just want to be near him. I, I just, I need him. Kids are pretty trusting, aren't they? They just, okay, sounds like a good person. I'll go there. They, they don't get their brains in the way of this. They just, there's a good person. I'm just going to go spend time with him. They just ran up to Jesus. Verse 17, look at this again. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. If the kids were said, hey, would you stand up here, turn backwards, close your eyes, fall into the arms of Jesus, they're like, okay. Problem is we get a little older and we just get a little, uh, you know, we get jaded by life. One of the problems is that we grow up and we learn that the world is a mean place. We learn that it's a hurtful place. And sometimes we just, I ain't trusting anybody. I ain't trusting Jesus. I'm only trusting the one person I know who's trustworthy, and you think it's you. Sometimes we choose not to trust anyone but ourselves. Amen? Some of you grew up with this mantra in the 1960s. Don't trust anyone over. Yeah, some of you knew that. All right. I was born at the end of the 60s, so I, I wasn't as bad off as you people. Uh, you know. <laughs> Seriously? You were saying this in the 60s? Don't trust anyone over 30? Come on. How foolish is that? Okay, I mean, I imagine that, you know, there's some weird things going on. But you were like, we're not trusting anybody but ourselves because we, in our 20s, we know it all. All right? <laughs> But one of the great truths is that God, the creator, the sustainer, the father of Jesus Christ, he is trustworthy. Everything else is a, is a faulty foundation, terribly faulty. Everyone else other than Jesus is a faulty foundation, terribly faulty. Quick reminder, I was going through the Bible and I thought, where else have we seen this idea that we have to trust in God? Adam and Eve. Let's go back to the very beginning. Adam and Eve are in the garden. God creates all of this. He says, it's good. You can have all of this. These animals, these trees, enjoy. Just don't eat from that one tree over there. And they're like, ah, 
I don't know if we can trust this God. Because when we check out this one tree, he said, no, I mean, it looks good. It looks like this fruit will be good. And instead of trusting God, they trust in themselves. They eat from this forbidden tree. Boom, destruction happens. I read a few chapters later, there's a man named Noah then. And the world is just sinful like crazy. And God says, okay, Noah, I'm letting you in on a little secret. I'm going to judge the entire world on their sinfulness. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to build a boat. And he's like, what's a boat? Well, a boat's for floating on water. Well, why would I need this? Well, I'm going to bring down rain. And I know you've never seen rain. But in many years, I'm going to bring about rain. And I'm going to judge the whole world. But I'll save you if you make a boat. People are going to laugh at you. But you you got to trust me, Noah. And I look at Noah's words, and Noah, it says, did everything that the Lord commanded. Trusted him. He's like, I don't get this. I don't get rain. You said rain. I don't even know what that is. People say I'm stupid, but I'm going to do this. Noah trusted, and it brought about life. I then was thinking through some other passages of Scripture. I want you to write some of these down. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 8. Write this passage down in your notes. It says, trust in the Lord. Would you repeat after me? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. You could have underlined that one too. Fear the Lord and turn from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. The idea is you have to trust not in yourself. You don't know much. You can't control much. You've got to trust in your maker. Let me show you another passage in Jeremiah chapter 17. It says this, Cursed is the one who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength. Cursed is that person. Whose heart turns away from the Lord. It goes on to say then, blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. Let me hear you say, trust in the Lord. And whose trust is the Lord. We've seen this model from the very beginning. Here's the trust fall. Who would you trust your life to? The scriptures tell us trust in the Lord. We've seen this over and over. This is life. Trusting in anyone else, anything else, will not work for you. It will not. Write this down, if you would, that self-sufficiency and self-righteousness is a lie and a trap. It's a lie and a trap. This idea that you're okay and you've got this, that's a lie. This idea that I can be right in my own eyes, I'm better than most, God's got to accept me, I've done enough, that's a lie and a trap. It is. You're not good enough on your own. You, you, you can't make your heart beat. You, you can't provide. And yet self-sufficiency, self-righteousness is a lie and a trap. It says later in the New Testament that no one's going to be declared righteous in the eyes of God by observing his laws. He actually gave the laws so that you would see, I can't do these. And he said, ha ha, that's it. I gave these laws because, yes, this is the best way to live, but you got to understand, you can't do these perfectly. You are actually just going to see that you have a sin problem and that you need a Savior. Frankly, it says this in the New Testament that if we could become righteous in our own eyes, why did Jesus die? Either he's the Savior of the world or he's a complete maniac. Why would you allow them to crucify you? You could have got out of town. Why would you head back into Jerusalem? Because he knows he's either the savior of the world or he's a complete maniac for doing this. 
And I'll tell you, he's not a maniac. He knew, you guys, you can't be right on your own. You need my bloodshed for you, for the forgiveness of sins, to be right in the eyes of the Father. And so you and I, when we start to trust in ourselves, whether it's for the righteousness before God, that's a lie. That's not a truth fall, that's a truth fail. When you start saying, I think I'm going to do this on my own, and God's going to be pleased, that's not a trust fall, that's a trust fail. When you and I start trusting in ourselves to earn God's love, that's a lie. That's not a trust fall, that's a trust fail. I'm going to do something this week, I'm going to read my Bible every day. I'm looking at that card in there, and I'm going to read every day, and God's going to love me more because I prayed and read every day. If you're trying to earn God's love, I'm telling you, you can't earn it. It's a trust fail. When you and I try to earn for ourselves or to live in our own strength, that's a lie. Like, I can do this on my own. It's a lie. It's not a trust fall. That's a trust fail. That's a trust fail. So I then started thinking of a couple problems we have when we have a trust fail. Write these down if you would. One, there's a misguided misguided trust leads to a lack of prayer. Misguided trust leads to a lack of prayer. Go to verse 9 again if you would. Jesus told this parable to some who trusted in themselves, that's a trust fail, that they were righteous and they treated others with contempt. The Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, even like this tax collector. Listen, that's not a prayer, is it? I mean, is he really communing with God? Is he having a relationship with God? Or is he just going, I'm good. I then looked at that and said, but I don't think we pray like that too much. I don't think we pray like that. But I'll show you where self-sufficiency for us leads to a lack of prayer. Because you and I say this, I got this one. You and I say things like this, I don't need your help, God. I got this. I looked at my next week. Monday's pretty easy. Tuesday's pretty easy. Wednesday, Thursday. Friday, I might need your help a little bit. But other than that, I got it. You and I live in a little self-sufficiency where we look at our schedule and go, I think I got this one. And then if we start thinking like that, we're not praying. I evaluate myself and go, okay, did I spend time talking with the Lord, asking for help? Did I go to him for guidance? And the weeks that, or the days that I look at my schedule, it's like, ah, I can do this one by myself. Our relationship's not as strong. It's kind of like, I'll just keep you back here. I know where your number is, 911, when I really need you. But self-sufficiency then leads to a lack of prayer. You and I have this misguided self-sufficiency, self-righteousness, this, I'm pretty good. I was reminded of my great-grandma. She told a story. She lived to be 103 years old. When she was 101, I met, I remember meeting up with her one day, and, and she was sitting in her chair, and she was chewing her snuff, all right, chewable tobacco, 101 years old. I mean, I don't promote it, and I don't do it, but, you know, it seemed to work for her. Anyway, she's sitting there, and we're talking, she's spitting into the spittoon, and okay, so yes, I'm from Arkansas. That's uh, some of my roots, all right. <clears throat> But anyway, great-grandma's talking about some other girl, and she says, that girl's so stuck up, 
she don't think her poop stinks. <laughs> and I remember thinking, that's a great line for a 101 lady. I was like, great grandma, can I quote you on that? She's so stuck up. She does. I thought, wait a second. Sometimes we get that way. We get so stuck up. We start thinking, I can do this. And perhaps the reason we don't pray is because we trust ourselves more than we trust God. Maybe you and I get so stuck up, like, I can do this, that it leads us to prayerlessness. Misguided trust also leads us to a lack of love. Would you write this down? Verse 9 Again, it says, he also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and they treated others with contempt, treated others with a lack of respect. You see, when we trust in anything or anyone that is not the God of the universe, we're setting ourselves up for a trust fail. And all of a sudden, we have a lack of love I'm finding this out because it's easy to love some people and it's harder to love others. Amen? All right? And when I know that I'm going to interact with some people, sometimes I'm just like, okay, extra cup of coffee. All right? But that's not it. God, you have to produce love in me because on my own, if I trust in myself, I'm an unloving person. I'm critical. But when I say, okay, God, I need you, God produces love, and misguided trust can lead to a lack of love. But there's great blessing and freedom in trusting God. I made a list this week. I want to share some of these real quickly with you. Blessing and freedom in trusting God. Let me share some of these. Trusting the one true God allows me to acknowledge a few things. One, I was as bad off as I could be. I can trust God that I can be able to say this. I was as bad off as I could be. Now, some of you are like, wait a second. You're not. I didn't say I was as bad as I could be. Okay, I could have been worse. But I was as bad off as I could be. And I can acknowledge this. And the Bible tells me this. When I look at a passage like Ephesians 2, it says, each of us were dead in our transgressions and sins. That's as bad off as you can be. You're spiritually dead. I was as bad off. And so I can trust God and say, man, I'm alive today because of him, but that's who I was. I was as bad off, but I trusted in him. I can trust him with other things. Let me show you another one. Secondly, I can say this, that I was and I am in need of God's mercy. I can say that I was in need of his mercy, but I continue to say this, I am in need of his mercy. I can say, I've sinned. I can apologize to others because I know that I'm a man in need of the mercy of God. And I can trust him. I, I, I trusted him way back when I was a kid for salvation, but I keep trusting him for his mercy now. God who is rich in mercy, he made us alive w- with Christ. It's by grace that you've been saved. I didn't save myself, so I can admit, you know what? I'm a person who needs mercy. Trusting the one true God also allows me to acknowledge that I was and, I'm, and I am in need of God's righteousness. I am. I was in need of it, but I still need this. I need his righteousness. Jesus was trying to show this. That in order to be declared right in the eyes of God, you have to trust this Jesus. 
You have to say, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I have to say it once, and I almost have to say it every moment the rest of my life. I will cling to the Christ of the cross. I will cling to the Christ of the cross. I, I, I need his blood to cover my sins. I need it. I'm not afraid to say that. I'm not righteous in my own eyes. On my own, I'm a jerk. I am. But I cling to the Christ of the cross, and I receive mercy, and I receive his righteousness. God actually looks at me and says, completely righteous, because you're clinging to my son. When I look at you, Scott Miller, I just see my sinless son, Jesus. And I can trust him. I can trust him. Trusting in the one true God also allows me to acknowledge this, that I'm not better than God's other image bearers. This is real helpful to know. I'm not better than God's other image bearers. I can look at people with different backgrounds, different ethnicities, and say, I'm not better than you. I'm an image bearer. You're an image bearer. And I can say this. I trust God and And it allows me to say, I'm no better. The Pharisee, oh, he couldn't say that. Sometimes we say that. Let's be honest. Christians are known for our hate crimes because they don't believe the way we do. We hate them. We stand out and we hold signs and we say, God hates this. And ultimately, God hates you. But I can trust in God and say, okay, He's shown me mercy, and he's declared me righteous. I can look at you with love. Jesus said this, by all, all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. I have first loved you, now you go do what? Tell people how wrong they are? No, 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 no. It starts with this. I have loved you, now you go love them. Now, as you love them, you can point out things that might be wrong in their life. But I'm no better than God's other image bearers. And then I want to show you one more thought I came up with. Trusting in the one true God allows me to acknowledge this, that I am being shaped. I am being shaped to trust Jesus in greater ways. This is a work of Jesus. He is shaping me to trust him even more. I have, I have trusted him, but he's shaping me to trust him more. You have trusted him. He's shaping you to trust him even more. I want to share with you one of my favorite verses. It comes from a missions trip, 2 Corinthians. The apostle Paul writes this. He says, we were so burdened beyond our strength. Raise your hand if you have felt like you've been burdened beyond your strength. You ever get that way? Okay. All right. So many of us do. He says, I came back from this trip. We were so burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. We just wanted to give up on life. I mean, and if you read of some of his mission trips, the worst thing is not a flat tire in Mexico. I mean, he is getting beaten. They're trying to kill him. We were so burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. We felt that we had received the sentence of death. But this happened. All of this happened. God allowed all of this that we would not trust in ourselves but in God who raises the dead. (laughs) He's saying this, God gave me things that I could not handle so that I'd stop trusting me. I want you to know God gives you things that you can't handle. God gives you things that would overwhelm you. God gives you things that would burden you so that you say, I can't do this. He goes, okay, good. Got you right where you need to be. 
Because now you're going to say, Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. I'm not going to trust in me. I'm going to trust in you. And what God is doing is he is shaping you to trust him even more. Okay, God. This is difficult. I mean, I don't know what the doctor is going to say. But you're telling me not to trust in me, but to trust in you. I don't know what these people are going to say. I don't. But you're teaching me not to trust in me, but to trust in you. To trust in you. God is shaping us. He's giving us situations. He's allowing us to go through difficulties that are beyond your strength because he is shaping you. This is why you have to get into the story of Jesus. Okay? This is why you have to get into the story. Consider the story of Jesus. Does the Father give Jesus something that he can't bear? Oh, yeah. He can't do this. It's actually going to kill him. And if the Father does that for his own son whom he loves, why would we expect that if he loves us too, that we'd, well, he's going to treat me a lot better and I don't have to have difficulties? No. But let me ask you, did it end at the cross? And the answer is no. The cross was death, but that's still not the end. He goes, oh, that, I'm, just, I'm just painting a dark picture so I can make a beautiful picture of my son being raised from the dead. And I'm going to put you in situations and I'm going to allow hardships for you so that you get to the end of your rope so that I can do something miraculous and you won't take any of the credit. Okay. That's not real fun to hear, but I, okay, that's trustworthy. I can trust you. I can trust you. And since the father raised his son to life, you see, that's a trust fall. That's a trust fall that I can give my life to. Amen? Let's finish by considering Jesus. A couple words I want to give you. Our model for trust and our source of life. Gets pointed back to Jesus. He's our model. Goes through the hardship. He continues to trust. He's the source of strength. It's not us. It's not in just an extra cup of coffee. It's funny, after first service, I just wasn't feeling good. And uh, I thought, okay, maybe another cup of coffee. I thought, well, that, that might give me. And guess what I said? I said, Lord, I need you. And I'm about done. <laughs> Lord, I, Jesus, he's our model, but he's also our source. There are times this week you're going to have to, okay, Jesus, carry me. Let me show you a couple passages or one passage here from Matthew chapter 27. Jesus is actually on the cross, and this is what Matthew records of that. He said, those who passed by Jesus on the cross derided him, wagging their heads at him. If you're the son of God, come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes and elders, they mocked him saying this. He saved others. He can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down from the cross, and then we'll believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now if he desires him. They said something great. They said, he trusts God. Let's see if God's going to deliver him. God didn't deliver him right then and there. God let him be crushed and crucified. But they were so right. He trusts in God. You bet he trusts in God. My God delivers is what Jesus was saying. In fact, I repeat that one after me. My God delivers. My God delivers. 
Write that down. You've got to believe that. It just may not happen in your timing. Frankly, rarely does it happen in our timing. But he always delivers. And that's why he's trustworthy. I think sometimes you and I, we live just most of this life in Friday, frankly. Friday is the day of the crucifixion. We live our lives in darkness. We live our lives in this pain. We just like... This stinks. This is hurtful. This brings great sorrow. This brings great pain. I think a lot of us live a lot of our lives in Friday. That's just where God has placed us. But here's what you got to know. Sundays are coming. Sundays are coming. And so when you are in this situation, this feels like Friday, but I know Sundays are coming. I know that it's happening for an eternity, but Sundays are coming. It's coming. So we don't lose heart. We don't lose heart. We keep trusting in him. So it leads me to a question to a question I've been asking myself and I want to ask you today. In what ways do you need to be trusting God and not yourself? In what ways do you need to be trusting God and not yourself? I'd like you to consider this. As you look back at this last week, maybe as you look ahead, Trusting in yourself, trusting in, I, I got this, I can do this. Think about that if you would. Write that down. I'd like you to consider this question. Eight years ago, a pastor, I met with a pastor and he said, uh, do you want to be a really good pastor? And I was like, yeah, that's a, yes, please. What do I have to do? He said, start praying for your people by name every week. Pray for them. I'm like, wow, that's have you seen our church is pretty big? That's, that's a big task. He said, do it. You've got to do this. I said, okay, I'll do it. I, I trust you that that's good advice. And I started praying for you. I'd walk around with the directory and I'd pray and I'd set apart time and I'd pray for you by name. And I'd just take every name up to the Lord and say, Lord, you've got to do I. I can't save them. Only you can save them. I can't produce fruit in your life. You, the Holy Spirit, have to do it. And so I started doing this, and I did this for quite a while. But I got tired. I got beat up. Then I was like, wait a second. I'm just going to try to preach better. I'm going to try to be more strategic in other ways. Prayer is difficult. Because then I know some of your problems and you write some of them on cards and I hear some of your stories and frankly it breaks my heart and I'm a feeler type. And then I, I was like, God, I don't want to feel all this pain. And so how about if I just say, well, I'm a community church. Bless them, God. And I did that for a while. I just stopped praying for you by name for a while. It's easier. And about last summer, the Lord said to me, Scott, your preaching's not good enough. You can't change lives. I don't think it was a knock on my preaching. It was just saying, you can't change lives on your own. Get back to praying for them every week. Scott, your leadership, it is not good enough to change lives. You've got to pray for them every week. Scott, this is my church. It's not even yours. Take them to me. I love them more than you. Actually, I'm mighty to save. You're nothing, Scott, in that sense. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and I started back up. 
I've actually had some people say to me, oh, your preaching's been getting better. I don't think it has. (laughs) I think God's just doing a greater work in you and us. And part of that, because I was saying, in what ways do I need to be trusting God? I need to trust him by praying more and trusting him with you. So I have to trust you to him. I got to trust God with a bunch of things. I got to trust him with my family. I mean, my family's pretty small. Wife, son, two daughters, pretty small family. I'm finding out the older they get, I need God a whole lot more than I thought. Amen? I'm like, okay, I got to trust God with them. So here's my question again. I'm wondering, in what ways do you need to be trusting God and not yourself? You think you're a smart enough parent? You're not. You think you're a wise enough business person that you can make the right deals? You're not. You think you can really add a day to your life? You can't. You really think you could even save your own soul for an eternal salvation? Okay, you know that that one's not true, but God's just showing you that one to say, you can't do this on your own. You need me. This is the relationship. This is it. I think this is what it boils down to. Will I trust God alone? That's the relationship he's asking. He's saying, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get up here every day. I want you to turn your back to the world. I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to have a trust fall in me. Trust me. This is the relationship. Will I trust God alone? Jesus, this is my prayer. I want you to... Pray this this week. Jesus, help me to trust you in all things. In fact, repeat after me. Jesus, help me to trust you in all things. Jesus, help me to trust you in all things. Jesus, help me to trust you in my one thing. Write that down. I'm going to ask you to pray with me as we wrap this up. And with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I want you to raise your hands if you believe that you need the Lord to help you in these areas. Jesus, help me to trust you with my family. Would you, would you just raise your hand if you need help with your family? I know some of your stories. I know your families are difficult. Repeat that after me. Jesus, help me to trust you with my family. What about this one? If you need to trust Jesus with your health, would you raise your hand? Some of you are going through some health infirmities, some pains. Repeat after me. Jesus, Help me to trust you with my health. Maybe you got some big decisions coming up. If you know you got some big decisions and you're like, oh man, I, I really need the Lord. Would you raise your hand if you got some decisions? Repeat after me, Jesus, help me to trust you with these decisions. 
Maybe it's even this, just an apathy, where you're just in a funk. Might even be a depression. But if you're struggling with an apathy to follow and love God, maybe even a depression, just raise your hand. And then repeat after me, Jesus, help me to trust you with my apathy. And then one more. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand today if for the first time today you want to trust Jesus as your Savior because maybe you never have and you're realizing, I need this today. I need this today. Then would you raise your hand and say, I trust you, Jesus, with my life today. Repeat after me and everybody can. Jesus, help me to trust you for the very first time. Heavenly Father, I I thank you for this story because we are very much the religious people who trust in our own righteousness, who trust in ourselves. And the kingdom of God is for the kids that just jump into your lap and just say, I need you, Lord, I need you. Or like the tax collector that can't even look to you and say, God, be merciful to me. And I thank you that you are merciful and that you pour out your righteousness on us. God, would you help me and my brothers and sisters today in this week to pray this prayer that Jesus, we need you in all things. Break that trust of ourselves. Break that trust in our own strength, our own brains. Break that strength so that we would have a trust fall in you alone. And I thank you that you're at work. Keep working because we need you. We love you because you first loved us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Thank you for spending some time with us today to look into God's Word. Join us again next week as we continue our study.